Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, we got a rather large football game in Lawrence, Kansas. We haven't been able to say that very often, but uh, OSU's back's firmly against the wall this weekend. Yeah, just like we all expected, headed up to Lawrence in a good old-fashioned pick em, right? I mean, that's what everybody picked in August, a pick em in Wait, is, it, is it down to a pick em? Uh, it is a pick in Kansas is a Jews minus 115, if you were wondering. So, yeah, not, not, not great. And that line opened OSU, what, minus six and a half? Oh, it wasn't that high, was it? I, I don't actually recall seeing an opening line. but I Yeah, it, it opened at six and a half. I'm, pr- I'm fairly certain of that. Oh, well, that doesn't bode well toward the uh, health of certain players for Oklahoma State. But, yeah. Oh, boy. Up. Yeah, we, got a, we have a lot to discuss injury-wise for both quarterbacks in this matchup. We got – the uh, first edition of the college football playoff is out. We've got a quarterback saga. We've got a punter retiring. We've got scenarios to go to Arlington. We've got Gonzaga maybe joining the Big 12. We've got Bill Selfs. I don't even know where to start. We have a lot to get to, but first let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We appreciate Chris sponsoring the pod as always. And uh, I guess first, Colby, let's – did you watch the college football playoff show? Because I know you did send me some tweets about it. Absolutely not. I uh, I just catch up with that on Twitter. I don't need to sit down and watch their little. I to me, it's made for TV garbage. Uh, but if if anyone enjoys it, I'm not knocking it. Just not my thing. Yeah, OSU comes in at 18, which again just surprised they're ranked after that Molly whopping they took up in uh, Manhattan. But they'd be in the 20s. Yeah, and I mean, who cares in terms of Oklahoma State? But what I I do care about is, once again, just the total, complete lack of respect for the Big 12. TCU's resume, they're the lowest-ranked team that's undefeated, and they're ranked behind a one-loss Alabama, who, again, we all understand they're Alabama, but their only ranked win would be Texas, who just got re-ranked despite not playing a game, and they're ranked 24th with three losses. Like, Alabama has not really proven anything other than the, the dreaded helmet logo, right, Colby? Just, I, again, I just and, – and people can say this doesn't matter, but it does matter. Perception of your conference absolutely matters. And while I certainly understand the goodwill that – Alabama's built up the goodwill that Clemson has built up. Clemson actually has four really good wins this year. I'd say really good four good wins this year. They actually have a resume to, that holds water. Like I get those two. And then you got, you know, Tennessee's gets all the respect immediately despite going seven and six last year. And, and look, I think Tennessee certainly probably deserves to be ranked number one. They, they beat Alabama. They're undefeated. I, I get all that, but just Colby, just, We all know, Colby, if TCU's helmet logo was the interlocking paperclip or the Longhorns, we all know they would be one or two, right? Not where TCU is. 
Yeah, absolutely. And what I sent you on Twitter was Joel Klatt's tweet, and he sent out, so TCU football has two wins that are better than any win Clemson has. Clemson's not a bad football team, but P- but TCU got snubbed by brand bias. If Texas OU had the exact same resume as TCU, they would be no lower than four. And Carson, I'm glad to see that a national prominent voice in college football is starting to call this out because this is what I look at whenever people say, well, we, we can't expanding the playoffs, a terrible idea because Tennessee, Georgia this weekend, there's so much on the line. And if you expand to 12, both these teams are getting in and that game means less. It's like, okay, that game still means a lot. And what it takes out is this brand bias that eliminates a team like TCU, because let's be honest, Carson, If uh, Ohio State and Michigan both finish the season with one loss, if Tennessee, Georgia, and Alabama, none of them finish the season with more than one loss, and Clemson finishes the season undefeated, then guess what? I don't know if TCU gets in even if they go undefeated. And the only reason would be because the logo on the side of their helmet does not have an O and a U on it, or it does not have a cow on the side of it. This is, this is how we're determining these things. So because the committee has proven time and time again that it cannot be trusted to get the right teams in the playoff, TCU should have been in the first year when Ohio State snuck in. Ohio State ended up winning it. I don't care. I don't play it based off result. It was based on the four most deserving teams at the time, and TCU was one of them. They've already been screwed by the committee once, and I don't know if TCU goes undefeated. It doesn't feel like, like they're a, a – powerhouse of enough team to go undefeated in this big 12 conference where you have to play good football week in and week out. But if they do, I still think they could get screwed and that's a big, big problem. And the only way to address it is to expand the playoff because I'm telling you, if TCU goes undefeated and and that undefeated big 12 champ gets left out simply, simply because of its helmet logo, then it will just further amplify the problems that college football has in determining its champion uh, and the fact that it's a popularity contest amongst these blue bloods. Yeah, I still blame Bob Bowlesby for the TCU Baylor fiasco. Two you know, they, yeah, they hire this marketing camp, this marketing company. They do this huge campaign all year long, one true champion. And then what happens? Bob Bowlesby's in Waco and in Fort Worth handing out two trophies. So the committee's sitting there going, well, you don't even know who your champion is. So we're taking Ohio State. Now, I think to play devil's advocate, Ohio State brings in way more way more TV eyeballs, and they would have got picked anyway, even if they had trumpeted Baylor. I, I think, look, I think TCU was the overall better team. They just happened to play in Waco that year and lost. But Waco beat them head up. How Bob Bowlesby could go and give out two trophies still to me is an absolute – he should have been fired on the spot. Like the, the other schools in the Big 12 should have fired him when they didn't get in the playoff because of that. Yeah, that was brutal. That was definitely brutal. And uh, like you said, we don't know what would have happened if the Big 12 would have had a better head on its shoulders uh, that year. But but the overarching point remains, it's just – it's helmet logo bias. Um, I mean, in college football, losses mean so, so, so much. And I get it. It's Alabama. Alabama should be behind TCU. Alabama has a loss on its schedule. Now you said, well, the loss was Tennessee, the number one team in the country. Okay. TCU doesn't have a loss. TCU plays Alabama's schedule. Are they seven and one? I don't know. Probably, maybe. I have no idea. If, if Alabama plays TCU schedule, are they eight? No, I don't know. But we want to stress the importance of wins and losses and the meaning of these regular season games. That's what people who don't want the conference play, uh, the, the college football playoff expanded. Well, we don't want to tear down the meaning of the regular season. What does the regular season season mean? If Tennessee and Alabama play, Tennessee wins, 
And it really doesn't hurt Alabama that much. They're still ahead of an undefeated TCU. Is that your regular season mattering at the level that you think it is? Because if Alabama wins out, they're still getting in. And Tennessee could still not get in if they lose to Georgia. TCU should be ahead of Alabama. It's it, it's a popularity contest, and, and goodwill from years past does not make their resume better than TCU's in 2022. Yeah, and see, I'm, I'm less focused on Alabama and – not to rile you up more, this will be my last my last note on it. Between Michigan and Ohio State, how many games have they played that were actually losable combined? By my count, you you may be able to argue Iowa, but again, they're 500. They lost on their home field to Iowa State, so I'm not going to give you Iowa. Uh, Penn State, I guess. I don't think Penn State's any good, but... I'll give Penn State. I don't think they're great, but I think that they're. I think they're a decent. That's a losable game. Veteran yeah. quarterback, yeah, veteran quarterback. I'll give them Penn State. Okay, so they have they both. They both played Penn State. Yes. And they both. So they've played a grand total of two losable games this year, and they're undefeated, and they get all this hype and stuff. Like they are not challenged <laughs> with it. And then remember all those years Baylor was getting, you know dunked on by all the national media for their their terrible non-conference schedule and rightfully so where is that with michigan i don't hear any of that like i guess they docked michigan a little bit to put them at five for that behind clemson but they've played a non-conference schedule that art bryles would would hold his nose to uh yeah absolutely they have and, and they don't get penalized for it and i i don't know what the reason is um i mean we do it's it's helmet logo it's michigan right it's College football. It's such a flawed sport, Colby. I don't know why I love it so much because it's so. We do. We love it. So agonizingly flawed. I know. And we love it so much. And and it is flawed, especially in how they determine the champion. And and part of it, Carson, is some of these programs like Michigan. For me, I mean, for, for a 90s kid, Michigan doesn't carry that much weight for me. But Michigan, historically, over the last 50 years or whatever, has been great. Well, people born in the 90s aren't in these rooms making these decisions. The people in these rooms making these decisions are still influenced by what college football was when they were growing up watching it in 1975 and 1985 and, and even prior to that. And it's just it's a bunch well, of see, it's, ac- it's actually been going on a long time, Colby, because in 1997, you were too young. I was really into. I was just really getting into college football. There was a split national champion in 1997. It was Scott Frost quarterbacking Nebraska, and it was Michigan and Charles Woodson. Well, Nebraska would have beaten Michigan by no less than three touchdowns that year. But they didn't get to play. It is what it is. But Michigan was overrated back in 1997. They had to scrape by a Washington State team that had Ryan Leaf and not much else, whereas Nebraska was. They, they had a crazy win at Missouri, but they destroyed a much better bowl opponent, if memory serves correct. And, like, Nebraska would have destroyed Michigan that year, but they're Michigan, and they were overrated then. So this has been going on a long time, Colby, not just, not just uh, recently. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a great See, call. Let me look uh, up who Nebraska – okay, yeah. Nebraska beat the third-ranked team in the country, Tennessee, 42-17 to in their bowl game. And Mich- that's number three in the country who they beat. Michigan beat, uh, let's see here. Michigan beat eighth-ranked Washington State, eighth-ranked, 21-16. to 16. Woof. Like, 
Nebraska would have killed Michigan. And here we are, you know, in 2022, and the same is true. They, they, are, they are inflated by helmet logo in 97, and they certainly are still in 2022. But I find it fascinating that 25 years later, we're having more or less, Carson, the same conversation about the flaws in determining the national champion in college football. And when you expand the playoff, I mean, sure, they're, they're, whoever falls in at 13 is going to get left out. But the difference between 12 and 13 to me, that won't be nearly as egregious as the difference between four and five. Because, again, you could have an undefeated Big 12 champion get left out this year if things break right. 12 and 13 right now would be UCLA and Kansas State. Nobody's getting outraged because UCLA or Kansas State, one or the other, gets left out of the playoff. But at four or five, that's where the big mistakes get made, and teams who deserve to play for national championships don't get awarded that luxury because a team uh, with more history and and a bigger brand uh, but a a weaker resume gets in and gets that opportunity instead. So, uh, again, I just – I'm ready for it to expand to 12 because it brings so many more teams in. It'll make the regular season less interesting for Alabama and Georgia, who can only lose a max of one game a year. But for just about every other team in the country, aside from just the smallest handful at the top, it will make every game in the regular season so much more meaningful because you can lose one or two and still get in. Imagine how much more fun it would be right now for Oklahoma State fans, for Texas fans, for Kansas State fans, if your team is still fighting to get into the back end of that 12-team playoff. Uh, And that doesn't exist right now. And instead, we've got TCU at seven with an undefeated, really impressive resume. Yeah, I think that's well said. And I, I can't wait for the playoff expansion just so we can get rid of this, you know, inherent big 12 bias these people have and let them determine it on the field get let's get some big 10 big 12 matchups going because i i have an i have a prediction on how that will go it will go poorly for the big 10 and their overly inflated uh conference uh let's get to oklahoma state news colby uh spencer sanders obviously it's a weekly storyline he's patched together with you know scotch tape and uh duct tape and they're wheeling him around campus probably that the rumors are, are flying left and right but i thought it was interesting mike gundy's press conference our very own Marshall Scott from Pistols Firing questioned why he didn't take Spencer out of the game earlier. Mike Gundy's quotes were, quote, could we have done it earlier? Sure. Should I have? Probably. Probably should have just said, hey, you're not going out there. So I didn't want to start a storm that didn't need to be started. I had a big enough storm going on, and I didn't want to start one with him, him being Spencer. I hope he's doing good. We're going to rest him this week and try to get him back and get him going just like we've been doing. So to me, Colby, it sounds like another, you know, not going to practice a whole lot this week. Uh, I think most everyone I've heard on the radio and just everyone just assumes he's not going to play because he's so beat up. Uh, I just got to, I got to see it to believe it. I think he'll probably run out there and be not as effective as he would be if he was healthy, but I don't know. I just, I know he got banged up in the in the game against K State and had to like be drug off the field, but that didn't really look all that out of the ordinary for me when it comes to Spencer by the end of the games. <laughs> yeah, it's. I'll be honest. I feel less optimistic this week than I felt the past three or four weeks. Because like I, I mean, we've been dealing with this for it feels like about a month now. Where every week it's like, all right, Spencer's banged up. Let's see if he can get out there on Saturday. And if he if he does, what percentage is he going to be at? How's he going to play? I feel less optimistic this week because he was banged up anyway. And then he took a new injury in that Kansas state game, which forced him off the field. The the reports are that he essentially is is not doing anything practice wise right now. Like you said, uh, being wheeled around campus, stuff like that. I just, 
I don't know. It doesn't sound as optimistic as it has sounded in weeks past. Carson, I- I'm looking at this line, which is a pick 'em. I don't know what Vegas knows. I don't know. I don't know who Vegas talks to. Um, pick 'em. If Spencer's playing, I mean, if, if Spencer's playing, this game's out of pick 'em to me. E- even after the the massacre in Manhattan last week, that's that's an outlier for Oklahoma State. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about an outlier this season. That's an outlier in the last decade for Oklahoma State. So. I think that this line might be based a little bit on quarterback health. And maybe that's just me trying to connect the dots that aren't there, which I, I, from time to time, try to do as I try to interpret what the lines mean out in Vegas. But I'm less optimistic in weeks past, Carson, that, that we're going to see Spencer this Saturday. I am too. And I don't, I don't mean to, you know, predict he's going to play 100% certainty. I haven't heard anything definitive one way or the other. Um, but again, I just, he's, made it out there every single week. And I know he does have a new injury like you're speaking of, but we're just going to have to wait and see. And I'm kind of with you, like I'm laying the hammer down. <laughs> if I, if we find out that uh, Spencer's not playing, because I give OSU very little chance to win the game without Spencer, because let's face it, they haven't been able to run the ball. The offense has looked pathetic. Uh, the defense can't, hasn't stopped anyone. And Oh, by the way, Jalen Daniels might be able to play. He is practicing for Kansas. They're, their quarterback who's been hurt. He's missed the previous two games. I, I find it funny. And look, Kansas defense isn't great. So she should have more success than they've been having provided Spencer plays. But I find it so interesting, Colby, how people just overlook quarterback injuries. People have just written off Kansas. Ah, they're probably not going to be bowl eligible this year. Like if you lose your starting quarterback, whether you're Kansas or you're Alabama or you're Oklahoma or you're Oklahoma State, like you're not any good without your starting quarterback. There's just all the good ones transfer. They don't hang around and be the backup. You're just, you're done. You are done, which is why I have such a problem with Mike keeping Spencer in the game up 41 to nothing. That was inexcusable. And if Spencer misses this game and they lose, or if he misses the rest of the season, like that is, that is one of the biggest gaffes I've ever seen a head coach make Colby. It's that bad of a gaffe. It's it, no, it was a terrible gaffe as far as injuries go. And the weird thing is, Carson, I, I've seen coaches do this at multiple levels of football lately. We saw it with Gundy with Spencer Sanders on Saturday. The Rams are out here throwing a screen pass to Cooper Cup down by like 20 in the fourth quarter with, with four minutes left. What are you doing? What are you doing? He rolls his ankle. Why? When a game is decided, get your stars off the field. Winning or losing. Football is a game where injuries exist week in and week out. We've all become so numb to it. The fact that these are human beings whose legs and knees and elbows and heads are just getting bashed and twisted and broken. We've all gotten so numb to it because it's like, oh, injury timeout. It's just every every about 10 minutes a game, to injury timeout, you know, and, and we've all gotten so numb to it. But, man, injuries happen so, so, so often in this game. And we've seen them have a huge impact on this Oklahoma state season because this Oklahoma state team, it just simply from a personnel standpoint due to injuries, it's not the same one that went to Waco and looked really good. It's just, it's not the same personnel. So you've got to get guys off the field. I I saw Gundy do it. I saw Sean McVay do it. I've seen other NFL coaches do it this year. Other college coaches, you're you're down 40 in the fourth quarter. What are we doing here? You got to get him off the field. If he does, in fact, miss this game, 
Saturday and Oklahoma State loses it, I mean, it's going to be a serious black eye on this season that he was still out there uh, at that point in the Kansas State game. So, yes, I, I'm still a little bit beside myself on it. I do uh, I give credit where credit's due. I mean, you make mistakes, you own up to them. Um, Gundy did own up to it. It's just it doesn't feel like a mistake that you should be making at this point. I mean, this is year 17, year 18 of Mike Gundy's coaching tenure. Uh, I mean, that's something a rookie head coach do, does to try to make the final score look more respectable. Gundy's got security. No, no, Oklahoma State people aren't calling for Gundy's job right now. You know, do you, you don't need to do that. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was shocking to see Spencer out there in that situation. Disaster may have struck. We don't know the extent of the injury. Uh, I'm just really fingers crossed that whenever that injury report comes out on Saturday, it says that Spencer Sanders is expected to play because I really don't want the gaff of leaving him out there too long in Manhattan to become a major storyline the rest of the season. Well, and I tell you what, there's, there's an upcoming storyline that's going to get real ugly if he doesn't play because not only was that a huge gap to leave him in the game, but who's the backup quarterback? It's the coach's son, Gunnar Gundy. And I said this when he committed. Uh, I worry about a Nathan Simmons type situation here. He's already, he's beaten out Rangel. Uh, I've heard that he just runs the offense better. And I certainly understand those things. But to no fault of Gunnar, Mike has kind of put himself in this situation where the word nepotism is going to come around because uh, Barry Trammell wrote an interesting column about this. Uh, according to his research, there's only been about, there's only been over the last three quarters of a century, there's been 10 father, son, quarterback, head coach duos, about 10. There was Daryl Dickey at Kansas State, ironically, in the 80s. Uh, we all remember Cody Hawkins playing for Dan Hawkins, Todd Dodge, Riley Dodge at North Texas. Uh, and then there's there's many others from from years way way further down the line in the past, and I just think Colby, this is a huge moment for the trajectory of Oklahoma State football because with all the injuries Spencer's had, the amount of time he's been on campus, I think we all can assume he's probably gonna, just going to go pro after this year. He has another year. He certainly could come back. When he's talked about it, he's been coy, but I've kind of got the sense that he would he would leave, and I think we would all understand that. If Mike Gundy just rolls it back next year, runs it back next year with Gunnar Gundy as the starting quarterback and Rangel as the backup, and he doesn't hit the transfer portal uh, hard and, and get somebody, I, I think that would be a massive mistake, and I think it would be a huge turning point for the program because I just, look, I think Gunnar was a really good high school quarterback. Is he ready to lead Oklahoma State to a – you think he's the caliber quarterback that can lead Oklahoma State to a Big 12 championship? Maybe he is. I just know, Colby, that if he struggles in the absolute slightest, which is not fair to him, this is going to come up as nepotism. And I just – I worry about that in the locker room. I worry about that for the future of Oklahoma State football. I really do. Yeah, the reality is it's going to be based on the result, and there's no way around it. If Gunnar Gundy comes out and Gunnar Gundy lights the world on fire and looks like a star, this is assuming Spencer doesn't play. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But if we get into the Gunnar situation, if he plays well, Carson, everybody's going to sit here and go, oh, that wasn't nepotism. He's the better player. But that puts such an immense amount of pressure on Gunnar Gundy, who, <laughs> fair or not, 
They got that close-up of his hands shaking last week in Manhattan. Everybody saw it. It went around social media, and narratives get crafted on those sorts of things. Of course, he was nervous coming in. Does some of that stuff fade? Yes, but it puts such an immense amount of pressure on Gunnar Gundy to play not perfectly, but he's going to have to play at a high enough level that nepotism can't even be called into question. And that is a high bar to set for Gunnar Gundy. It's a ton of pressure to put on Gunnar Gundy. Now it is the situation that he wanted. He could have gone to a, a non power five school, probably been the starter, done other things. He wanted to come to Oklahoma state. He wanted to play for his dad. I'm assuming the idea was at some point perform well enough to become the starter. But now if that happens, I, I just hope that that reality meets what the expectation was because the pressure is going to be immense because if he were to play poorly, let's say he starts Saturday, plays poorly, and they lose to Kansas, the conversation is not going to be, well, he looked good in practice and he was, and he was managing the offense and uh, we felt like we could trust him. The story's going to be nepotism and the quarterback's son got to start because he's the, the – the, Pardon me, the head coach's son got to start because he's the head coach's son, and that's not fair to Gunner. Uh, it's not fair really to Mike either, but it's it's the reality. It will be judged on result, and I just worry that that is so, so much pressure to put on Gunner Gundy. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very unique and uh, fragile situation, I would say. Uh, and look, I have nothing to judge Gunner on other than what I saw in high school in the very limited time he's played. Uh, at Oklahoma State, but I mean, you have a hard time convincing me that a kid who I'm looking at his rivals page right now has had no offers. Eastern Michigan was listed as interested, and there it's a zero scholarship offers on rivals. Maybe that's inaccurate. I don't know, but you have a hard time convincing me that this is who should be the starting quarterback at Oklahoma State based on that, other than his name. I mean, look. <laughs> And again, I'm just calling it like it is like that. That is, that's where I'm at with this. And Mike should absolutely bring in a transfer quarterback. And then if Gunder beats him out, uh, someone who's actually played power five football there, there's quarterbacks in the transfer portal every year. Now go get one. And if Gunner beats him out, great. That's fine. That that's doing your due diligence. If Mike runs it back next year, Colby, that's that's to me. That's just not doing your due diligence at all. Because, and again, we'll we'll see how this plays out. Um, and again, I'm I think I'm probably jumping a little far down the line here because they got Kansas this week and Spencer might play. But I'm just I'm putting that out there that I'm I'm very concerned of where the quarterback room is heading next year without Spencer. Uh, yeah, I am too, and and I agree. I if I were guessing, I haven't talked to anybody. I haven't talked to Spencer. I don't know what is going on in Spencer's head. Just the way that his body has been beat up, the age that he is approaching now, his style of play, which relies so much on athleticism. At some point, you, you've got to go get paid while you've kind of got some stock. You get older, you get more hits, your body breaks down more. I mean, that could seriously impact uh, the amount of money and the amount of success that he's able to have at the next level. So I do kind of expect him to go, and I won't blame him for that. Uh, I'll be happy for him and wish him the best of luck. But you it's interesting that you bring up the rivals page on Gunner because if Gunner was a four-star recruit who was a 91 overall rated player and you run him out there as your starter, then you probably don't get the nepotism claims because what other coach wouldn't do that? I mean, other coaches would line up to, to run the four-star 91 overall rated recruit out there, but there weren't any other coaches lining up to sign Gunner Gundy. Like you said, Eastern Michigan was interested. 
That's not offered. Eastern Michigan was interested. Now, again, I, I covered, no, I didn't cover Gunnar Gundy in high school. I saw him play a couple of times because I was doing play-by-play in 6A. He was a really good high school quarterback, and I think that he could potentially be a good college quarterback, but there's so much unknown, and uh, the, the nepotism takes are going to be floating around, uh, especially, I would imagine, from opposing fan bases, one in particular uh, down south on I-35. So, yeah, I, I think it's just a ton of pressure to put on a young kid. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if he's built for it, then I guess he can rise to the occasion. Uh, but if he doesn't, then, yeah, I think it could turn into a little bit of an ugly situation. Yeah, I, I'm concerned. Uh, we had another retiree. We had uh, Brennan Evers retire earlier this year. So does the punter, Tom Hutton, Colby. We saw him take that nasty hit against Kansas State. He's, he's out for the year. And, and you were talking about <laughs> – you were talking about Spencer's age and, and wanting to move on. I mean, Tom's in his what? Was he 32 years old? 32. He's 32 years old. He's married. Like, it's just a crazy, like, that makes Brandon Whedon look young when he was in school. That's like four years older than Brandon ever was. Uh, that's got to be a weird dynamic, Cole, being 32 years old around a bunch of 19, 20 year olds while married. And like, you know, you don't have a full-time job. You're, you're, you're a college student again. It's just a, it's a weird existence. And I think he, uh, certainly deserves a lot of credit for really developing into one of the better punters uh, in the Big 12 over his career. I thought he got off to a rough start. You and I have talked about that, but he really turned into a weapon for Oklahoma State. And uh, I don't know what they're going to do. They have Tanner Brown, Alex Hale, uh, Logan Ward, a kid named Kaysen Shrum. I wonder if that's related to Casey Shrum at all. Uh, those are all the kickers on the roster. So someone's got to learn how to punt or, or take over the punting duties in his stead. Uh, yeah, first off, credit to Tom Hutton. It's interesting. You, you just talk about, I mean, it's basically a generational gap between he and his teammates. When we went to walk around uh, for homecoming a couple of weeks ago in Stillwater, I remember walking around on Friday night, and maybe it's, it's because I'm a dad now, I don't know, but I, all the college kids are walking around, and they look so much younger to me this year, just children walking around on campus, these college kids, 18, 19 years old, and I'm 30. Tom Hutton's 32. So I, I, I can't imagine what his experience has been like being in a locker room with these kids 13, 14 years younger than he is uh, as he goes into practice every day and in team meetings and stuff like that. But he deserves a ton of credit for his development throughout his career. I, I feel like everybody is just kind of – I don't want to say overlooking this, but we talk about all these other injuries and, and people make a big deal out of them. And then Tom Hutton gets injured and, and retires due to the injury. And everybody's like, oh, okay, well, good career. Good for Tom Hutton. And I don't, I have not anyway seen very much conversation about how this specifically impacts Oklahoma state football. Tom Hutton had the trust of Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy has said, yes, when we punt from the opponent's 45 yard line, We've got a good punter, does a great job. He gets muff punts. It's weird rotation. He does a good job pinning them inside the 10-yard line. Tom Hunt was really good at all this stuff. Fourth and three at the Kansas 41-yard line on Saturday. Not fourth and three, because he might have done fourth and three anyway. Let's call it fourth and six Saturday. No Tom Hutton. You, you don't know if you have as much confidence in the next guy to pin him at the five-yard line. Is, is Gundy going to start going for it more in these kind of wishy-washy situations? Because he has been steadfastly punting in the coin flip situations for a couple of years since Tom Hutton uh, has been doing a great job with the kicking. I'm just curious to see if that changes at all and how much trust Mike Gundy has in whoever the new punter is to do the job uh, at the level that Hutton was doing it. I, I can answer that for you. 
Punt, 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 punt team. Get out there. Get punt, punt, yeah. punt, 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 punt. Yep. Like, we know that's going to happen. You're right. You don't, you don't actually question that, do you, Colby? Uh, a little bit. I don't know. You just Tom Hutton, it got to a point where even me, Carson, I love going forward on fourth down. But <laughs> it got to a point with me where I'm like, man, Tom Hutton is so, so good at pinning teams at the five-yard line. You're, you're punting from the opponent's 45. I get it. I get it. You don't want to give them the ball near midfield. You can pin them at their own five. The percentages of them going 95 yards to score a touchdown are incredibly low. I get it. Now, if you run a new guy out there twice from the the plus side of the 50 on Saturday and both times he kicks it into the end zone or he kicks it into the end zone once and he kicks it out of bounds at the 24 once, you better believe I'm going to be fired up talking about what are we doing? We don't have the great punter anymore. You can't trust this guy to pin him at the five. Go for it. I, I, I'm telling you, I maybe I'm just a nerd here, but I'm going to be a little bit zoned in on the punting decisions on Saturday to see if there's any little bit of change uh, in the decisions we've seen Mike Gundy making with Tom Hutton and the ones he makes without Tom Hutton. Probably just the nerd in me. Yeah, no, I, I certainly agree with you that like he'd become such a weapon. Like I was I was way more fine with it than than in years past. But uh, I think he would probably who would he trust more like? Alex Hale out there punting or going forward on fourth down with with uh with Spencer or Gunner. <laughs> Would you trust Gunner or or Alex Hale punting more? That and again, this is just another factor into the equation. If Spencer's out there, all right, fourth and four, opponents forty three, we're probably going for it. Gunner's out there, probably kicking. That's that's just the reality. I would I would guess so. Uh, I mentioned Jalen Daniels. Lance Leopold said, "quote." He's practicing and doing some things. He was out there, and we'll see. Uh, Daniels hadn't played since they lost to TCU. They were 5-0 and with him. He had uh, 67% of his passes completed, 1,000 yards passing, 11 touchdowns to just one pick, and had 340 yards and five scores on the ground, Colby. Like, I know OSU's history with backup quarterbacks isn't great. That happened again last week in Manhattan. Uh, but but give me uh, Jason Bean over, over Jalen Daniels. I, I – I will be very concerned about the OSU defense if Daniels runs out there and, and probably should be concerned if, if Bean does too because, let's face it, he's been serviceable, uh, 63% of his passes, 783 and nine touchdowns and three picks, also 100 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. So it's not like it's not like going from Spencer to Gunner here. I mean, Bean's played a lot. He's been successful. Uh, Kansas can't stop anybody, but I, I will be very concerned if Jalen Daniels runs out there because that, let's face it, Colby, that, that's just a different – that's a different animal entirely when it comes to Kansas. Oh, it definitely is. Jalen Daniels, a really good player. Jason Bean's done a nice job in, in backup duty, though. If he plays, you still have to be aware because he is a mobile quarterback. He can take off and run. Uh, he's quick. So, yeah, that, that's something to watch out for. I The way Leopold talked about him, he's practicing, he's doing some things. That is – a far cry from the messaging coming out of Stillwater with Spencer, which is let's sit him down, no weight on the ankle, let's do nothing and hope. Fingers crossed he's good enough to play on Saturday. It, it sounds like Daniels is close. I don't know, Carson. I, I just have this gut feeling in my stomach that Daniels might play and Spencer might not, and that is just the double whammy that I think you can't have on Saturday because if that's the case, uh, boy, I, at 2.30, I will not be optimistic whatsoever if we see Jalen Daniels run off the Kansas sideline and Gunder Gundy run off the Oklahoma State sideline. I mean, 
at that point, I'm not predicting 48 to nothing, Colby, but I'm predicting OSU to lose by two or three touchdowns. I don't think that's even – I might even be – I might even be a little conservative with that. Um, I think that's probably in the realm. I mean, I don't think Daniels is going to come out and put up 50 against OSU. Uh, and Kansas, I, Kansas' defense is terrible. So, I, I, even if Gunner goes out there, Oklahoma State will be able to do some things, score some points, uh, theoretically. I, I know – it, it All these conversations are made just a little bit weird by the fact you're coming off a 48 nothing loss, but I'm still choosing to believe that that's the outlier and that we won't see something like that again. So uh, a Jalen Daniels-Gunner-Gundy combo would certainly benefit Kansas. I, I don't think it would turn into a blowout, uh, but yes, I think if, if that happens, then all of a sudden um, – I think it would take something special for Oklahoma State to win the football game, which is just not the situation you want to be in traveling to Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah, and there is a scenario for OSU to get to Arlington. Uh, they need to obviously win out. Uh, they need K-State to drop at least one game, if not two more. A loss to Texas this week would force K-State into a four-way tie for second place. That is if Baylor and Oklahoma State win this week as well. So we're going to Seemingly, if OSU keeps winning, we're going to be looking at all the the tiebreaker scenarios uh, the rest of the season. But again, I, I said it last pod, like Kansas State was impressive. They they threw the kitchen sink and they they just destroyed Oklahoma State. But I, I don't think by any means that means they're going to win out. And Texas is actually favored, I believe, on the road in Manhattan. So yeah, two and a half, two and a half point favorite Texas is. So that tells me just like I don't care how ugly it is for Oklahoma State, just win this week, move on, just, you know, keep one foot in front of the other. You don't know how this is going to shake out. Your season's not over yet, but I, I'm very concerned obviously with how things played out against, uh, against Kansas state. But again, Colby, the scenarios they're, they're going to abound and and OSU's not dead yet. No, they're not. And, and Carson, I would love to live in a world uh, where two, three weeks from now, we're having to break down all of the tiebreaker scenarios because Oklahoma state is still in the hunt to make it to Arlington because the, the picture as it exists right now does not look great. I mean, injury concerns everywhere, including at quarterback, coming off the worst loss, um, one of the worst losses in program history. It, it, for a top 10 team to do that too, it just, things don't look great right now. But I would love to, what is today, November 3rd, two weeks from now, whenever we're previewing Bedlam, I would love to be talking about tiebreaker scenarios because that means Oklahoma State didn't drop one of the next two. Um, so hopefully we are diving deep into all of the head-to-heads and point-scoring tiebreakers and non-conference schedules and coin flips, whatever the case may be. I'm here for the tiebreaker conversation uh, because it beats the let's play the rest of the season out before the meaningless Alamo Bowl conversation. Well, let's get to game picks. Uh, the line's moved again. Kansas favored by one, depending on when you look at it. So this line is continuing to move in Kansas' favor, which to me kind of tells you Spencer might may is is really trending towards not playing. Yeah, that's exactly what it tells me. Go it's ahead a- and give me your pick as well, Cole. Yeah, Carson, I'm looking at this one. I, maybe I'm trying to connect dots that aren't there. I really don't think I am, though. This line, down to a pick them. You've got it at Kansas minus one. Um I I think that we're trending and it's not even just the line. It's the messaging coming out of Stillwater about Spencer seems not great. The messaging coming out of Lawrence about Jalen Daniels seems pretty good. I mean, they're saying he practiced on Sunday, that's six days before the game. I I think he was trending to be back for this game anyway, which we've talked about in weeks past. I think that this is setting up horribly for Oklahoma state. My, My guess is that Spencer does not play 
Jalen Daniels does play, and Oklahoma State is just outmatched by a better Kansas team. Uh, I know nobody wants to hear it, um, but I am I'm officially uh, can no longer be accused of making the homer pick. Carson, I think Kansas plays their quarterback and Oklahoma State doesn't. 37-17 Jayhawks. Boy, oh my. We might get five viewers on Sunday if, if that's the case, if they lose to Kansas by 20. I, I hope it's not a – look, if Spencer plays if, – if it's Spencer versus Jason Bean, I could be just as easily talked into picking Oklahoma State to win by two touchdowns. I just really am thinking that Jalen Daniels plays and Spencer doesn't. That is that is solely what my prediction is based around. Yeah, and a lot of the same concerns coming out of the Kansas State game still exist, even if Spencer does play. How are they going to be able to run the football? Uh, will Dom Richardson play? I do think the running backs didn't play all that great. Ollie Gordon was, I guess, sick for the game. Uh yeah, the kid from A&M trying to play his first meaningful snaps at Oklahoma State. It was, it wasn't good. Um, it would be bl- almost blind faith to pick Oklahoma State in this game, and I don't know if I can, but I think I'm. Go- I think I'm going to Colby. I, I, I love think, it. I think Spencer's going to play. I think he's going to tough it out. Again, I think everyone's jumping on a. a Twitter rumors that he's like out for the year. I don't, I, I don't think that has any merit. And I just, I think he's answered the bell every time and look, he's banged up, but like they have to win this game and I get it. They probably think they can maybe run gunner out there and still beat Kansas. whose defense is awful, but I'm going to, I'm going to take a giant leap of faith. I still think it's a close ball game, but I'm going to pick Oklahoma state 31, Kansas, 28. Uh, Tanner Brown field goal to win it. And it's ugly, and it's we're mad at the TV about half the game because they can't run the football. But I tell you what, Colby, we're going to find out a lot about Casey Dunn in this game. There's been a lot of talk all week. I have to manufacture a running game. I have to get creative. I have to do this. It falls on me, 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 me. It's time for Casey Dunn to really pull out all the stops to help the running game. And I just, I go back and I watch some of that game against Kansas State. Colby, we're back to having the, the heavy personnel with the Cowboy backs where there's hardly any motion. Like, do you remember watching some of those great Lincoln Riley offenses pre-snap, Colby? How much, how much Hollywood Brown would be in? There would be someone in motion, sometimes more than one player on every single snap. And most of the time they're just running in motion and it just it just takes away a linebacker for a step, takes him a step out of the play. And I just think that lately, Colby, they've just been lining up. We're going to check back to the sideline. We're going to look, and then we're just going to snap the ball with no pre-motion, nothing. It's just very vanilla. And I think you have to do some of that stuff, Colby, and run way more spread, get, get out of your – Get out of your Big Ten Wisconsin offense that when when things get tight, Mike and Mike and company tend to go to. And I know they were probably concerned about the, the blocking, but I, I think you got to just spread them out, use a ton of motion, and, and keep them just do some stuff. Like, don't make it so easy on them where there's no pre-motion and no nothing, no, no disguise at all pre-snap. I just I think we're gonna learn a lot, Colby, and I'm taking a leap of faith here. 
thinking they mix it up. But Colby, I will be, whew, I will be bringing the thunder down if if I see a lot of cowboy back off tackle inside zone into a brick wall all game. Now let me ask you this: Are you saying that it's better to try to confuse your your opposing defense? Because I thought it was better to just have them know what you were going to do, but hope they don't stop it. Are you saying you'd rather confuse the opposing defense? I am saying that. And to me, it kind of turned into a, a pissing Hold contest. Hold take, Carson. Hold take. Well, you know, it, it turns into a pissing match where <laughs> Dunn's looking at their, their the way they're aligned. is like, they think we can't run it. Watch this. We're going to run it. And then, you know, either they don't block it well enough or the running back doesn't make the right cut. And it happened over and over and over. Yes, Colby. Let's get let's get two Presleys in motion at once, let alone one. And let's mix it up because again, that's what Lincoln Riley was so good about. All the the window dressing he would do pre-snap. And I think when you're you're this inefficient running the football, you have to have that or you have no chance. And that's where I've just struggled this year, just the, the lack of and there were times, Colby, where they were doing that stuff and it was great stuff. You and I would come on this podcast and be like, wow, they were they were running this guy in motion. They were running some jet sweep type action. Like just you have to help your running game by any means necessary. And I don't think they did that the last couple of weeks. And, and again, this it's not cutting time, Colby, you lose this, you are done. Uh, and the house is on fire and you got a, you got a bedlam game looming as well. So I, I don't know, Colby, I'm taking a leap of faith here. If they lose by 20, then. I'll come on and say that my leap of faith was, was idiotic because it, it, it certainly feels that way even on a Thursday. Yeah, I just – I really hope I'm wrong about the quarterbacks because if I'm wrong about the quarterbacks, I think I'm wrong about the game. Uh, I'm just kind of reading between the lines on some of the messaging and stuff. But, yeah, if I'm wrong about the quarterbacks, then I think your score will be closer. E- I'm nervous, Carson. I, I can't remember the last time I was nervous going to Lawrence. I think it's a, a testament to what Kansas has done to get their program on the right direction and uh, just a little bit of a – an unfortunate situation where what we thought could have been another special Oklahoma state team has just fallen victim to injuries. And, uh, you know, you, you, you blow the game down the stretch at at TCU. That one hurts even more now after what happened in Manhattan last week. It's just, I I feel like this Saturday is kind of, okay, we write the ship or the wheels fall off. One of those two things is happening Saturday in Lawrence. Uh, just, I guess we'll have to tune in to find out which. Absolutely. Let's get to Chris's. What's yeah, that? you. I was, I was making sure we didn't forget uniforms. I, I feel like I've got it this week. Yeah, we're on the we're on we're on the same uh, page here. Let's get to the Chris's University Spirit uniform preview, brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, Justin Southwell, for the record, our, our uniform guru, he went with the black helmet with the the uh, silver slash chrome brand, white jersey, gray pants was his official prediction. Uh, okay. So tricolor again. So I don't think they're going tricolor after what happened last week in Manhattan. I think you lose 48 to nothing. Some things are going wrong. All right. This Saturday, let's just nothing cool, nothing flashy, no tricolor, simple uniform, go out, get your job done. Black helmets, orange brand on the side, white shirts, black pants, simple, nothing crazy, no icy whites, no cursive cowboys. Orange brand on the side, black, white, black. Keep it simple after a 48 nothing loss. Uh, you don't get to be flashy whenever you do that. Going the other route, I agree with you, no tricolor. I think they're going to debut a new helmet. Just a total, total whim. Uh, we've seen over the years, when they go to Kansas, they like to, they like to use the gray 
motif in Lawrence. And when they've debuted a gray helmet, I think most of the time it's come in Lawrence. So I'm going to go gray helmet with the curse of Cowboys on it. Okay. With the stripe down the middle, probably a, a black and gray stripe, more than likely, maybe white stripe. And white jersey and gray pants. I think they're going to go gray, white, gray. All the gray. They've hardly worn any gray this year, so I think they're going to go new helmet, white jersey, gray pants. But I'm with you, Colby. I, I'm, I'm not excited about the uniform. I don't care. I just want to see a solid performance. Yeah, exactly. You just you don't get to be flashy, in my opinion, after 48 to nothing. You get to be flashy when things are going well. Maybe simplify a little bit this week. Uh, just a quick note, Carson, because I, I know we're fixing to wrap up. We've got some people tweeting at us about the the NCAA stuff, the Kansas stuff. Um, I, I mean, it's same story, different day with the NCAA, right? And at this point, I mean, we're talking about stuff that happened, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. I mean, what are we even doing at this point with the NCAA, Carson? I, I don't need to rant for half an hour because we're just so beyond exhausted with this same old talking point about they have no idea what they're doing. They're making up the rules as they go along, and they're taking half a decade plus to do it seemingly every time. Uh, but, yeah, it's just it, it's just same story, different day with the NCAA. Yeah, and we'll talk more about it when we get more in the basketball season, but the latest Louisville Dodgers major punishment, uh, no postseason ban, uh, Patino and Chris Mack avoid punishment entirely. It's just, yeah, you're right. Like, it, I would sue the pants off of the NCAA. I don't care. They don't. They have no power anymore. They they dropped the sledgehammer on you, who did very little wrong compared to Kansas and Louisville, certainly, and LSU and the likes. All the ones we've run down over the years. I would hire a lawyer and sue the absolute pants of the NCAA because it's very black and white Colby. You just put the infractions that OSU had and the fact that they cooperated up against the infractions that Louisville and Kansas and LSU and all them did and didn't cooperate. I think an arbitrator is going to be like, what the heck? Like this doesn't even make sense on paper, let alone in practicality. And I'm, I don't care. I am, I am laying down the gauntlet at the NCAA, if I'm Casey Shrum and I'm Chad Weiberg, it's time to fight back because this is absolutely unjust. It's absolutely egregious. And they're screwing over not only 18-year-old student athletes who weren't even around when this happened. You're screwing over an entire university's basketball program for, for what? And you're just turning the other cheek for these other schools? It's, it's not fair. It's not right. And I think if OSU just sits on their hands and takes it, I think that's the wrong move. I would go after them. Uh, yeah, I would too. I think that's the play. I, I don't know if it's going to happen uh, because it's already been this long and there have been no talks, no rumors, no anythings about any, any type of situation like that. Maybe they were waiting for the punishments to be handed down to other programs. Kansas self-imposed. Uh, the NCAA is expected to, to hand their punishment down to Kansas next offseason, which I expect will be a, a slap on the wrist similar to what Louisville got because what the NCAA did is they wielded a massive hammer and absolutely just killed Oklahoma State. And then there was a ton of backlash, and they were like, oh, we're sorry. We're not going to punish schools anymore. We're too harshly. The, these current student athletes for what happened in the past, like we should have been doing previously. But while we're at it, we're going to go ahead and leave all the punishments that we levied Oklahoma State in place. It just, yeah, Carson, it doesn't make sense. They're making up the rules as they go. And as usual, Oklahoma State gets the short end of the stick. Yep. 
I agree. Uh, one last note before we get out of here. Gonzaga and talks with the Big 12. Play a little basketball since we're talking basketball. Uh, yeah. Again, I don't. I think this is mostly Brett Yormark messing with the Pac-12 because they've been going back and forth. And uh, the, supposedly Gonzaga had, had been in talks somewhat with the Pac-12 as well. But I don't know. I, I like I like the move Brett Yormark's making. We talked about the 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 huge boon and TV revenue that he was able to generate despite losing OU in Texas. I just think it's another little, it's not, I think he has big grand ideas and, you know, he's, he's showing some foresight here. Unlike his predecessor, Bob Bowlesby. Yeah. I'll say this for your Mark. He seems to be looking toward and planning for the future. I don't know how Gonzaga fits. I, I mean, obviously great for basketball. I don't know how the money and stuff works, but I don't have to know how the money and stuff works, how that's split up. If you have a non-football school coming in, uh, what, what part of revenue that they're getting from anything that goes on, that's other people's jobs. Uh, yeah. I mean, just from a fun perspective, I think it'd be fun to have Gonzaga in the big 12, but uh, baseball pretty good. Played a good series, uh, with Oklahoma state last year. Maybe it's a regional. Uh, I remember Oklahoma state had them in baseball at some point last year. Uh, and then bringing their basketball program in would be a huge addition to a conference that already has Kansas. I mean, Gonzaga and Kansas in the same basketball conference would be big time. It would elevate the entire conference, which probably elevates recruiting in the entire conference, national respect for the entire conference, because you're about to lose OU in Texas. So, um, yeah, from a fun perspective, I like it and let other people figure out how the money works. I, I'm with you. I mean, again, Big 12 has been the, the best basketball conference the last for a long time. I, I go back to back when there was a North and a South even. And so, uh, yeah, I think Gonzaga, they don't need to in terms of just their, their winning and their perception nationally. But if they want money, <laughs> money talks. And I think joining a conference like the Big 12 would, would make them a lot of money. I don't know how it works either. But I thought that was interesting. And we'll, we'll probably talk more about that if, if Kansas wins by 20. Uh, on Saturday on our, on our Sunday post game show, <laughs> but uh, any, any other, it's a massive weekend Colby in, in college football. You got what Tennessee at Georgia. There's just, there's big games galore all weekend. Who you got Tennessee, Georgia. Oh, I, I think Georgia's going to win. I just, I mean, honestly, if Tennessee beats Alabama at home and wins on the road at Georgia, like, just go ahead and give Josh Heupel the national coach of the year award now. And just who cares if he loses the rest of the games on his schedule? Like that would be incredible for, for a team that went seven and six last year. I, I just, I can't see it. I kind of think Tennessee's going to beat them. It, it's just, it's a gut thing. I know it's in Georgia. I'm showing them eight point favorites right now. I think that Tennessee offense is so, so good. Hendon Hooker is playing at just an elite level. Um, a lot of people don't realize they look at Hendon Hooker. It's like, Oh yeah. Good young player. No, no, no. Good old player. Hendon Hooker is older than Lamar Jackson. Carson, did you know that? Yeah, I knew he was, what, like 25? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I think, I believe it's 25, but either way. baseball or something? Why is he so old? It had to have been something like that. I, I don't even know what the, the reasoning is. Uh, He's 24, he'll be 25 in January, so he's an old 24. But he's just, man, he's really good. He's old. He's composed. I just, I don't know. Gut feeling. I think Tennessee goes in there and wins that game. Uh, like you said, it is a good weekend of college football. I think Carson, if Clemson is going to take an L, this might be the weekend because I think Marcus Freeman's starting to find something a little bit at Notre Dame. It was a really bad start to the season up there. Uh, good, easy win. Went and kind of took care of Syracuse without too much problem uh, last week. Not that I think Syracuse is some world beater, but they played Clemson close. So I think Clemson-Notre Dame 
could potentially be a good one this week. Uh, and like we do every week, keeping an eye on TCU, the Big 12's last hope to make the playoff 11 a.m. at home against Tech. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, man, our, our boy Baron Morton kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, the Tech gets destroyed. Baron Morton gets destroyed at, at home against Baylor. And Colby, that result is why I'm not, I haven't gone pro in sports gambling. I would have loved <laughs> Tech going into that game. But more than that, it just – I feel like there's always that moment in the college football season. And, and most of the time it involves Oklahoma state where you, you think you really know how a result's going to go. And you think you got both teams figured out and it's just the complete opposite result to where you sit back and you go, I know nothing. I just, when I think I had this sport figured out, it just, it punches me right upside the head. And that, and that certainly was one of those results. Yeah, it definitely was. Uh, you think OU beats Baylor at home? OU's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, and just a little side note, love that the Big 12 stuck OU Baylor in November on ESPN+. Plus. If you had wagered on that to start the year, Ugh. you would have got amazing odds. I mean, that that is crazy. And I guess Oklahoma State's game also on uh, – or wait, no, that's on FS1. FS1, right? yeah, right. FS1. No, that's and that's why they they're playing at like two o'clock. I guess the home team uh-huh. you're on ESPN Plus, you just pick the game time. So that's that's kind of cool. Uh, but no, I I think Baylor's going to win that. I think Baylor's better offensively and defensively than Oklahoma. Look, everyone's and look, OU's played better, but they're playing better than the abject disaster that they were, and they got to play against the worst offense by far in the Big Twelve uh, in Iowa State. I just I think they still have real issues. Um, and I, and I've been saying this all year. I still think Baylor's a good football team. I know they've had losses this year. I know they've been d- disappointing thus far. I think their offense is really finding its groove too. And uh, I, I think they go into to Norman and win. I really do. Uh, do you think? Yeah. Man, I don't know. I'm on the fence about that one. I think either of those teams. I can hear you getting up. scared of OU already, and we're not even either. Oh, yeah. Bedlam no, no, week. I'm, I'm preaching a totally different tune than I was preaching two weeks ago. Everything came undone last weekend in Manhattan. I just, Baylor OU, either team, you could tell me either team won by two touchdowns, and I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. So I, I don't know how to pick that game. Um, I, don't, I actually feel like I have a better feel for Texas, Kansas State. I think Texas is favored because Vegas, national perspective, you know, getting money on both sides. I think Kansas State's a better football team. Uh, I think Texas finds and invents ways to lose. I think Kansas state's going to beat them and keep rolling. They would probably predict that too. I think you just look at what Texas has done this year. I mean, who have they really beaten? Who's their quality win? I mean, they, they probably should have lost at home to Iowa state. If the guy can hang on their best receiver can hang on to the, the best receiver they've probably ever had can hang on to a football. I'd argue uh, Hakeem Butler. Huh? I'd argue Hakeem Butler. That's true. He was pretty good, but he, man, he washed out in the, uh, he did. He was a great college player though. No, he was, he was really good. You're right. That's a, that's a fair point, but I'm just saying like they, let's go through their schedule here. They, they lost in Lubbock. They lost to Alabama, albeit they probably should have won that game. Maybe it evens out with the Iowa state win. Isn't that Texas though? Should have won that game. Like I'm just, I can no longer give Texas moral credit or actual credit for should have won that game because it's just a tale as old as time with them. And their big 12 wins are OU without their quarterback and West Virginia and Iowa state who again, 
got screwed and they should have won. And now they got to go at K State, TCU at home. Like, I mean, they're going to, Texas could, could lose out with the exception of the game at Kansas. Uh, where do, they what really are they could. Right Five and huh? three. I, I've said all year, even the day after they lost Alabama, I said, oh, yeah, Texas is seven and five. They've got seven and five written all over them because that's who Texas is. I still feel confident, Carson. They're going two and two the rest of the way, seven and five Oklahoma Horns. K State, TCU at home, at Kansas, home against Baylor. That's a, whew. Yeah. They could, they could lose three or four very the, easily. The problem with Texas is they're five and three, three and two in conference play. Their conference schedule is backloaded. Like you said, I no. mean, they've still got Kansas State, TCU, and Baylor in November. Uh, oh. By the way, Alan Lazard. I'll throw Alan Lazard out there, too. Oh, the- yeah. That's that's easily the best receiver I, they've had. I had, to, I had to throw it out there because I knew we were going to get a tweet. Uh, the problem with Alan Lazard, Carson, I forget that he went to Iowa State. I know. Yeah, he just kind of gets lost in my memory. But, yep, he's a good one. Yep, that's a good one. So, uh, and one last note. Do you know who the new Iowa is this year? The you new who, Iowa? With, yeah, there's a new Iowa in the Big Ten. I didn't know that there was a new Iowa. I'm intrigued. Well, it starts with an I. Indiana? It's not Indiana. It's not Indiana. Illinois? Illinois. Have oh. you seen? First off, they're ranked 16th in the country. Uh, they have lost to Indiana. They lost to Indiana 23 to 20. They beat Wyoming, lost to Indiana, beat Virginia, beat Chattanooga, beat Wisconsin, beat Iowa 9 to 6, beat Minnesota, beat Nebraska. They have one loss. And they could play in the Big Big 10 title game. They still got to play Michigan State, Purdue, Michigan, then Northwestern. But man, if there's not any further proof of how weak the Big Ten West is, it's Brett Bielema, who, again, left Wisconsin, had a huge success in Wisconsin, went to Rose Bowls, beat up on that crappy division, goes to Arkansas, gets destroyed, run out of town immediately. Boy, is he back to be in the Big Ten West. He's like, man, all I got to do is beat a shell of a program that I left, Wisconsin and Minnesota and Nebraska, and I'm, I'm rolling? This is great. Get me out of a real football conference. Get me back to the Big Ten. And Illinois is that team. At least, at least they play Michigan, Colby, or else they'd really, really waltz to the Big Ten title game. But they're, they are this year's uh, Iowa is Illinois. Yeah, that's a good call. They'll get smacked by Michigan, though. I mean, how many has Michigan beat them by, 30? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, I, I still don't think Michigan's any good. I think they're overrated. But, yeah, Michigan will win by two touchdowns probably. But yeah, maybe I mean, ugly, like, kind of like, let's let's see. Michigan had a, a weird score against Iowa. They beat Iowa, let's see here, 27-14. That's perfect. That's what they're going to beat Illinois by. 28, I'll go 28-14. Yeah, that works. I can definitely see that. Um, yeah, the Big Ten is fascinating. They get respect. It's terrible. It stinks. I, here's the thing. I don't want to totally crap all over Michigan because I just I I just want to wait to crap all over Michigan because I think Ohio State's really good and I don't know Michigan might beat Ohio State. College football is weird, so I will reserve my final judgment on Michigan uh, because again we are it is November third and why do I not know how good Michigan is? Because Michigan's schedule has been a disaster, so I will reserve judgment until after the Ohio State game. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Colby. Enjoy the game on Saturday. We still going to do a post-game show Sunday at noon? 
Uh, I suppose so. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we'll be talking about good things and my score prediction doesn't come true. Well, Spencer doesn't play. I'm burning it all down. It's, that's direct. That falls directly on Mike. And that was an idiotic, stupid decision to leave him in the game. And again, I don't want to hear about how Spencer's a competitor and he's got that dog in him or dogs have Spencer in him. I get all that. You have to be the smarter person in the room. You have to be the adult in the room and say, this game is over. You're already beat up. We have to get you out of the game if we want to win any more games this year. And Carson, they all they needed, all they needed was seven touchdowns in the fourth quarter. He could have gotten that. And like you want to start in the second half down 35 to nothing, see if you can get like like first two drives, you can get a touchdown, two touchdowns, get some momentum. Fine. That didn't happen. Get him out of the game. So we'll see how we'll see what happens and uh, I'll catch up with you on Sunday. Sounds like a plan. Appreciate everybody listening. Hopefully we all enjoy the game on Saturday. Everybody have a great weekend. As always, go Pokes.